All right, inappropriate Earl, back in the house after the dual episode with Fast Eddie Ift burning up the charts. Patrick Kennison from Lita Ford, Brian Irwin, the great Jessica Michelle Singleton. Been doing a lot of podcasts myself. The Comedy Store podcast, very controversial. <coughs> Excuse me, I just had a Celsius. That Celsius got you. Um, and then I did uh, the Loudcast with Mark Stevens and his co-host, the great Tom Whalen, who is the guest today on Inappropriate Earl. Tom? Hello, Earl. Now, I love having someone like you on the podcast because, and I often say this, you can see someone a lot at the comedy store specifically or on the comedy beat you consider yourself friends with them sure. but the reality is i know virtually nothing about you that's true that's because true. you know you see someone at the store it's like hey what's up dude mm -hmm. i think the last time we talked at the store was about a, a personal situation a uh, gossip we we're kind of gossip mean, girling it up well, you know, you well, you know, you were nice enough to uh, hear me out on some uh, topic that uh, we won't get into, but uh, you know, today's about you. It's not about me. Oh, I mean, I just I'm here with Lois. Lois too. It's a great. Lois is on Facebook Live right now. Um, Lois has bitten four people. Oh. Uh, but all only during UFC fights. Oh, so she can smell, she can literally smell the testosterone in the air. Well, I think she was kicked. You know, she's a rescue. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told the, the various gentlemen who've been bitten, don't make any fast moves around her ankles, around uh, her, you know, because she'll nip. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a big fight. And, you know, I think Brock Lesnar knocked somebody out. And, <laughs> One guy jumped up because he had money, and then Lois bit him. Oh, yeah. So uh, well, You can't blame a dog for its instincts. This is just some dog shit right there. Not at all. And uh, a shout-out to uh, the great Stefan Adika in chat, the bass player from L.A. Guns. Oh, hell yeah. And if you need real estate in the Paso Robles area, Stefan's your guy. Oh, so he's dealing in real estate these days. Well, being the ba fourth base player in L.A. Guns didn't really uh, pay the bills. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, made the stories, though. I'm oh, sure. Stefan's a great, uh, great dude. Uh, you love 80s metal. I do, yeah. Uh, Stefan also used to be in the band Glam Nation, okay. which did 70s covers, uh, but they were all very famous musicians. Eric Singer, the uh -huh. drummer from Kiss. Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, who Eric Dover, who was in Alice Cooper's mm -hmm. band, uh, Ryan Roxy, who's yep. in Alice Cooper's band now. I saw Alice Cooper last two years ago. Then you saw Ryan Roxy. Because he's uh, still playing? He's the guy with the, uh, not dreadlocks, but uh, he's got some interesting hairstyle. Uh, and then uh, who else? Uh, Teddy Zigzag, who was the uh, keyboard player in Guns N' Roses. Oh, okay. Teddy Zigzag. Okay. Uh, so it's high quality musicians sure. doing like Bowie covers and stuff like that. Make it a super group. Okay. So enough about Stefan Adika and his real estate. Uh, by the way, we also have a celebrity in chat. Oh, no. The legendary NHL enforcer, John Craighead. Craighead. One of the great African-American hockey enforcers of all time with Val James, Donald Brashear, George LaRock. Oh, I know Don Brashear as well. Yeah, George LaRock, of course. I've asked uh, Donald Brashear and George LaRock to be on this podcast, but... Uh, they said the nano? 
Uh, more or less. I get told no a lot. But you know, you got to ask. You got to you got to ask. And who better to have someone on a podcast than an uh, an NFL defenseman known for fighting? Well, I have had uh you you do have to ask. I've had two NHL players on my couch. The great Dustin Penner. Mm-hmm who scored the goal in overtime against Phoenix to get the Kings into the Stanley Cup finals. And then um, the NHL Hall of Famer, NHL Stanley Cup winner, the great Theo Fleury. Oh, I know Theo Fleury. Of course I know Theo Fleury. How'd you meet Theo? You know, it's not Theo Vaughn, Theo Fleury. No, I know Theo Fleury, of course. Well, some of my fans aren't the brightest, to be honest (laughs) with you. Um... I, uh, he, you know, we all know his story that, uh, you know, he faced a very, uh, let's just say Jerry Sandusky-like situation in junior hockey. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's an awful story. You know, those uh, junior coaches in Canada, you know, uh, yeah. you know, they take advantage of younger hockey players because... It seems uh, like it's always happening. Well, the way it works in uh, junior hockey is that, you know, most of the kids like Theo Fleury and... Uh, most junior hockey players, they leave home and they live in junior cities that yep. they have no family in and they're put up by, they're called billets, yeah. family, yeah. families who live by the hockey team. And, uh, you know, they're just exposed to a life that uh, no child should be exposed to. And Theo uh, was not, you know, he was doing interviews and uh, I just tweeted at him, said, hey, I'm, I know you don't know who I am probably, uh, would just come to my podcast in West Hollywood, and, uh, and he lives locally. Oh no, he lives in Calgary. Oh uh, wow! Um, and uh, but he was in town doing uh, interviews for his documentary, and uh, he, I think his uh, publicist or whatever, tweeted at me uh, back, and you got twenty minutes. Oh okay, all right. And he literally came here with the, you know all these people, agents, managers, publicists. Wow. And it, was, it was a lot of pressure because there's the one guy is standing over my right shoulder with a clock because he had to go do <laughs> like, watch, yeah. yeah, basically he had to go to like ESPN or something in an hour. So, yeah. but enough about who's been on my couch. You're on my couch I'm now. I'm on your couch. I feel, I feel like I'm in a select few though. I'm, uh, I'm amongst some greats. There have been some great guests on this podcast. Uh, Stephen Piercy, the singer from Rats. There we uh, go. Uh, the drummer from Cinderella, Fred Corey. Cinderella, of course, of course. Um, what we were talking about earlier, we were talking about, I had said at the job that I'm working at right now, it's in a super rich area, LA, lots of famous people. And who came in the other day? Paul Stanley. It, well, that, uh, as we were talking about off uh, air, would be... Um, I, you know, him and Gene Simmons would be like my fantasy guests individually. Sure. Uh, now, Gene Simmons is one of the most uh, cutthroat businessmen in rock and roll history, right? Would you agree with that? Um, I, I um, I, he's, yeah, he's he's definitely a businessman. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think sometimes it's to the detriment of the band. Sure. You know, I I'm a fan of their music mm-hmm. uh i don't want to see kiss coffins and condoms and uh you know kiss coffee Vibrators shops and they probably things. do they have they definitely do uh, uh, uh mini golf courses mm-hmm. and uh 
kiss coffees and you know you stuck with like pinball machines and lunch boxes you know what well, I, I wish they would have just stuck to the fucking music right. uh which i think they would have made more money at mm-hmm. um did you ever see detroit rock city almost walked out it was such a bad movie <laughs> And I'm a fan. Like he had Gene, Gene Simmons had his wife. Fuck, Shannon Tweed. Yeah, Shannon Tweed would have a sex scene in that. Well, I think it was Ron Jeremy. No, it was with Ron Jeremy was the MC. The fact that I know this is stupid. He was the MC at the male strip club that Edward Furlong got up at to win enough money to get kiss tickets. Remember? I do, unfortunately, because I didn't walk out. <laughs> Soon enough. Well, but, uh, yeah, you know, uh, the, the movie, you know, just the movie wasn't good. No, of course not. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know really why it wasn't either, because you had good actors in it. Mm-hmm. You know, for Edward Furlong, you know, was a great young actor. Mystery yeah, uh, X, he was great I, in. I think uh, who else? Uh, Terminator Two. Yeah, Terminator uh, Two, of course. I'm trying to think uh, who else was in that movie. Uh, he was in that movie Pecker as well. Oh, but in that uh, other people in that movie, um, what's his name? He played the uh, priest of famous old comic. Uh, yeah, I wanted. He was in uh, not SNL, SCTV. Yep, exactly. Joe something. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. We, we're both. We know who we're talking about. He was but. also in Used Cars. Yeah, uh, which was is in uh, Happy Gilmore. Um, he was I, the guy who was like who yelled at him and then eventually hit him with the car. And yeah. Natasha Leone was yes. the girl with the curly hair. Yep. Uh, she was great in American Pie and uh, several other things. Yep, she was. Uh, a, I loved her in American Pie. Uh, She's just that 90s kind of kind of spitfire lady in the 90s, you know? Well, it's like that movie was like most things Kiss has done in the last 20 years. Could have been great. It just wasn't. You know, Smart. the box set could have been amazing. Um, and it's funny, uh, the kiss box set was, you know, it was okay. A couple of songs on it that, you know, was, Oh, I've never heard this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Simmons has his own box set. Now the kiss vault, <laughs> the Gene Simmons vault, the Gene Simmons it's vault. not the so kiss vault. All the songs that he wrote individually and he has the rights to, or, well, there's some great songs on it. You know, the, probably the most, uh, Talked about songs in the Kiss fandom of of uh, ones that never were officially were released were the Van Halen brothers doing three songs with Kiss in about 77, 78. I got to hear that. Uh, one was a Christine 16, which you could never sing that song now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, know, right? I mean, it's literally a song about fucking a 16-year-old. Yeah. Uh, a lot of comics could probably relate to that. <laughs> we won't get into Quite that. Quite a few. Yes. Uh, well, uh, well, never mind. I won't go there. You know what Kiss song I always love that no one else likes? Beth. Beth, well, it's funny that it was uh, sung by the drummer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's probably their most well-known song. Um, you think so? More than Detroit Rock City or like uh, a party all night long? Well, I mean, I guess you might say it was. Um, but for it being the only song that the drummer sang, or did he sing others? Well, he sang a song uh, called Hard Luck Woman that was uh, originally written for Rod Stewart. By Paul Stanley. And I think uh, Rod Stewart uh, rejected it. And uh, which could be a whole podcast when you talk about songs that were written for other artists. Mm -hmm. They rejected them. And then 
they became you know like, an, another artist sang the song it became a hit right i think uh there was a 80s they were a one hit wonder uh is it wait what is it metal i'm trying to think waiting for a star to fall was the name of the song waiting i forget uh and they it was a one hit wonder song i forget the name of the band right now but they wrote songs for whitney houston oh really and uh like they like I, I will always love you or whatever uh it was some of her bigger hits but they wrote waiting for a star to fall i think for her mm -hmm. she said no to it or her management company did and then they said well we'll just sing it ourselves yeah and it became a hit for them yeah uh Absolutely. so uh but the gene simmons vault is 150 songs okay and the bet it's two thousand dollars is the the basic buy-in but wait how much two thousand dollars just so does it come but it comes in a huge fucking a vault <laughs> well for fifty thousand what for fifty thousand dollars you can have Gene Simmons hand deliver it to you. <laughs> and you get to fuck Shannon Tweed. And he'll hang out for two hours with you. $25,000. Well, now we're talking, he's only about $20,000 an hour to hang out with that. That's, well, what I want to do is like get like Russell Peters to front me the 50 grand <laughs> and then get 25 of the biggest loser kiss fans in my house. <laughs> And make Gene hang out with him for an hour or two. That would be the most ridiculous thing of all time. And make it a potluck. Everybody's bringing food. Yeah. just Oh, I thought you meant potluck at the comedy store. No, 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 no. But it's everybody, someone brings their potato salad. Oh, tries well. Tries to feed it to them. Well, I'm not like Ari Manis or uh, who else that have comedy shows in their house. Or Brett Banta. Yeah, Brett Banta. Yeah. Fuck that. I mean, they have like these like full-on comedy shows in their apartments. Oh. Like, Dude, I went to this uh, big comedy show in the hills last Saturday. Dude, it, it was crazy. I guess someone, there was like, someone was like having an orgy in one of the rooms. But dude, this was like, which I'm sure is pretty, pretty on par for Hollywood. But um, dude, this was like a six story mansion estate. Looked like Tony Montana should have lived there. And they did a comedy show, and that place was ruined by the time we all left. That's not the Michael Mansoor gig, is it? No. This one, I don't know if he does it at the same place. This was Alexis Grossman. She does a show. She she books it, I guess. I think a bunch of them just live in there, but it was it was wild. It was crazy. Well, that's the you know, like Michael Mansoor, uh funny dude. Uh, he runs some similar type of show in a mansion uh, somewhere in the hills mm -hmm. and uh they Maybe it's him too. He just wasn't there that night. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds just like his gig where they turn some guy or, you know, girl, I guess a girl could own the house to uh, their living room into a comedy club. This was like out in the like there was like a, a parking plateau in the middle of the whole thing. But, yeah, it's probably right around the same thing. Which is great. I mean, there's some wacky venues that do stand. I mean, I don't know what the owner of the house gets out of it. You're not really making money on this show. Yeah, I don't uh, think they charge to cover or anything. Yeah, and if you're a millionaire, which you have to be to live in a house like this, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe you just try to get some pussy or something. It probably works, man. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know if those guys have to have a comedy show to get pussy, but uh, you know, maybe they're trying to fuck one of the comics. It's possible. Uh, oh, we have a we have also the King game on. Yes. Uh, 
But uh, I don't know if we're allowed to uh, show the footage uh, due to NHL copyright coverage. Has that ever been done where you do like a broadcast where you like have you have like the picture of you guys in the bottom corner and like watch the game and comment on the game? I don't think you can do that. Right, because you don't have the express written consent. Yeah, I mean, I'm worried just with the reflection in the mirror of the... Uh, this podcast might be uh, shut down before it starts, but let's get into your story. Yeah, dude. hit me with whatever. What, uh, where are you, where are you from? So, born in Beverly, Massachusetts, which is North Shore, Massachusetts, where Washington's naval base was. Okay. George Washington. So, it's a really old part of America. And just like a real like ocean town and not a beach town, but like an ocean town, like a fishing town, you know, and uh, moved out of there when I was 15 up to New Hampshire, started doing theater because I did all because I played all sports. My dad was a football coach, basketball. He coached me in basketball. He was a uh, Babe Ruth baseball coach. So like and then I did theater and it was like uh it was like completely different ballpark. You know what I mean? But I always took that kind of competitive nature to theater. But uh, then I went to college in Chicago, Columbia College, and uh, I dropped out because people really, you don't understand how hard it is to sing in college when you're getting fucked up and trying to stay out late getting laid and you're smoking weed and cigarettes or whatever. So I dropped out. Went back home, ended up, uh, well, that, and during that time, I lost a bunch of weight doing jujitsu and stuff. And I, comp I became, have you ever had a big change in your life and you become a completely different person in a negative way? Um, um, uh, um after a uh, recent, well, not recent, like after but something that should be positive, like losing a ton of weight or like getting a big job. Or like where you, where it's just like things should be better, but they all, you know what I mean? I would say after my last breakup, I, I, it think, I mean, I wouldn't say things became better, but I, I dropped like probably 25 pounds mm -hmm. just because I had to start taking hot yoga. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, but I haven't had it affect me negatively. I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was better yeah. after the breakup, but I would say I became, uh, I guess, slightly healthier. Right. Well, like, it was crazy, because when I lost all that weight, because I was, like, disgustingly obese. How much uh, at your height of... What was your peak weight? 95, probably. And I'm only five foot eight and a half, five foot nine, maybe. Um, so that kind of weight is just, like, unmanageable. And I had, like, a girlfriend at the time, and I was, like... And I lose all this weight. I break up with the girl. She follows me to college. Why did you break up with her? So here's what happened. So she, I was a year, two years ahead of her. I went to college at Columbia College. Took a year off before, radio intern. Went to Columbia College in Chicago. She follows me there. And during orientation, she fucks another dude. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So not only did she follow me to the, to like, you know, it's a two hour plane ride. It's a thousand miles away. She follows me there. And then she cheats on me with a guy that also goes to the school I'm going to. And I end up fucking, you know, I was taking a lot of like medications and stuff and 
was drinking a lot. So I ended up dropping out, you know, nothing actually bad happened. I didn't actually do anything stupid or anything, but I was just fucking, I was an idiot, you know? Now, how did you find out she cheated on you? She told me, Oh, which is like the worst part, you know? But, uh, she was just one of those girls, one of those drama loving girls, one of those girls that if she's not getting the attention. She does something crazy, you know? I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> None of us do. But she uh, she was definitely the worst type of that. Dude, listen to this. And I can't, I'm going to sound like such an idiot because I dated her again after this. But when I first met this girl, I didn't want anything to do with her. I was kind of an asshole. Just would say like, yeah, we're dating and then break up with her. She ended up, before I had even had sex with her, she faked a pregnancy on me. But how did she try and spin it where it was yours if you guys hadn't had sex? So, like, one of those weekends before that, like a month before or whatever, I had went over before a show that I was in. I was in Les Mis. And before the show, I went over and, like, hooked up with her. Her parents were gone. We didn't have sex, but it was a lot of, like, you know... Her sucking my dick. You're like, am I allowed to talk like this? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, I try not to get too wacky. I'll try not, <laughs> but I'll, uh, I'll try to be at least PG-13. But um, but yeah, no. So we're doing all kinds of stuff. I never put my dick in her. I do maybe the little squeegee. You know what that move is? No, I don't. It's when you just get, you know, just the tip right and you just do a little squeegee up and down. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. You know? And so uh, I do know what that is. Yeah. So uh, I was doing that, you know, a little bit of that. And uh, I ended up having to leave. I never even came because she didn't know how to do anything. We were like, she was like 17 and I was 18, I think. Oh, is that illegal? Oh, watch out. Well, I mean, you know, that that's another podcast. No, actually, in New Hampshire, 16 is the age of consent. Well, a lot of comics should move to New Hampshire then. <laughs> See it, see at the Chuckle Bone in New Hampshire. Chuckle Bone. Let's open up a club called the Chuckle Bone. Uh, so the age of consent is sixteen in New Hampshire. Yes, wow, that's yeah. crazy. As long as I think you're within five years. So like, if you're under twenty one, <laughs> if you're twenty five and you bang a sixteen year old, you're liable to get in trouble. Well, I'll see some of you LA comics on the eastbound flight to you know Manchester. Hey, Southwest Airlines has some great rates right now. Got to get away rates. But um, so she tried to say that like. She would, she like, she was trying to say that like my dick juice, my dick pre-cum, pre-cum, my pre-cum got on my hand or her hand. And then I went inside and got her pregnant. And I was just like, the second she said that to me, I was like, no, that never, I, I wasn't as stupid as, you know, I probably could have been, but, uh, so I, I said no I was saying to her, fine, bring me on the, um, like after a week of her saying it, I was like, fine, bring me to see the ultrasound, you know, wouldn't do it. She was like all, saying all this shit. She was telling everybody at school. I got her pregnant. I think I was just out of school for a year. And then she faked a miscarriage or whatever. Cause it just obviously wasn't true. And if it was true that she was pregnant, it obviously wasn't mine. But, um, so that all happened. And then I took her back. That's the craziest part. Oh, I've done that. But it's you feel like it's a wounded bird thing where it's like, wow, you would stoop so low and you're such like a hurt individual. I need to help you. You know, I need to love you. But I don't know. It's a bad mentality. 
Not really. It shows you're a good person. Uh, you know, she sounds like someone who thought the grass was greener. It wasn't. Uh, she still it, hits me up. Well, it's rarely greener if you think, oh, I can do better than Tom or yeah. whoever. Uh, but, uh, you know, they. Uh, I find as they get older, they'll usually uh come around or uh i mean they'll realize their way of thinking was flawed mm -hmm. but uh you know yeah uh, it's uh yeah but like literally three four years ago someone came up to me and was like hey man how's the kid i was like what he was like how's your kid the kid that you had with that girl and i was like i never had a kid some people still believed that she that that she had a kid well, from my understanding, the second the semen leaves your pee pee, like if it hits any oxygen, yeah, it's dead. It's done. Yeah, like you could literally blow blow a big fucking pile of baby batter in your hand and stick your hand in the girl's vagina, she can't get pregnant. I think you're right. I mean, I'm not a fucking doctor, so like, <laughs> and I think it's to do with heat as well. If it's like maybe the room, the room has to be 98 degrees, or else it will, you know, the the sperm will freeze to death. I don't know, but I've heard that too. I've heard that you can't, you know. I mean, I've never really had a close. Well, I had one close call, but like, you know, it's. Uh... Have you ever had a girl that asked you that was like, uh, you know, what would you do if I got pregnant? Oh yeah, uh, you know it's What's like, the right answer to that? Uh, well, it depends. Uh, you know, really, uh, it's a case by case basis. Like if you're date, you know, if you're dating them for six years and you get the vibe they want to get married and have kids, uh, you know, you better have the right answer. <laughs> uh, you know, if you're just dating them yeah. two weeks in, it's like, uh, you know, it's a weird question to. Ask. I, I guess it depends when when they ask you the question, right? Yeah, definitely. It's a timeline thing. I t I don't know. I had that once and I just told the girl, it's like, whatever you want to do. Because that's what it really comes down to. I mean, like, I don't know. If you want to have a kid with me, you're stupid. Because, like, I do not have any, you know, well, uh, fall back. By the way, our friend Christina is uh, telling us uh, good answers, guys. Good oh, answers. thank you, Christina. I appreciate that. Well, I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I don't understand how two people can have kids that don't have any money. Right. You know, not to say that you have to be Bill Gates to have a kid, but like, you know, I've seen a few uh, comics like, you know, impregnate each other and say, what are you guys doing? You guys are doing open mics, <laughs> you know? Imagine bringing a kid to an open mic. Both of the both the parents get up that night. I've seen it. Uh, but it's just like, uh, what do you, you know, like, yeah, you know, kids cost money. Yeah. Diapers and, you know, doctor's appointments and schooling. Food. And, yeah, I mean, food. Uh, you know, if you guys are struggling with no kid in your life, you know, you better uh, hope someone's going to help you out. But as Jimmy Carr told me, Earl, uh, worry about your side of the road. Yeah. So uh, I try not to, uh, you know, I root for everyone. Well, maybe not everyone, but, uh, you know, one or two people I don't root for. Sure. But, uh, well, and you then, don't wish them ill will. Eh, you know, I'm trying to be a better person, but uh, it's hard with some. But, uh, you know, that, that's what hot yoga has done for me. It's. Tried to make me a uh, more a forgiving person. More zen? I try. Yeah. You know, you get in the L.A. comedy world, 
Oh, it's tough. I mean, it's Axel was really right. I, I really believe Welcome to the Jungle was written about Los Angeles comedy. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it. Or at least just Sunset Boulevard in general. Well, I mean, which is one and the same. That's uh, where uh, Marty's is, the comedy store, the Laugh Factory, uh, uh, the new comedy club, uh, uh, Sycamore Tavern. Yep. Uh, yep. or, or it's trying to be a comedy club, you know, I don't know if they're doing uh, the upper room thing, yeah. right? Uh, which used to be happy endings for you, uh, local, uh, yokels, uh, where they have UFC fights and, uh, stuff like that. Next stage uh, theater is literally right off of sunset. Yeah. I've uh, done that room many times. Never had a good show there. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what got you into coming to LA to do stand up? Well, it's a kind of, it's funny story because I was doing radio. I just at one point realized I was, when I moved back home, I started doing sales. I started doing MMA equipment sales because I was really heavy into MMA and I realized I fucking hated that. So I started doing radio and I literally called up ESPN radio in New Hampshire in Nashua, New Hampshire. And I was like, do you have an MMA guy yet? And they were like, no. And I was like, can I come in for an interview? They were like, yeah. So I came in, the program director is, went to the same college I went to. He gives me a time slot at seven in the morning on a Sunday, ends up going from nine 30 to 1130, but I still fucking hate it. Not making any money. It's just, you know, I feel like no one's listening, even though we got like probably a hundred on each hundred people listening on each. Which, is it what is this a podcast? No, it was radio. It was terrestrial okay. radio, but they would save it on SoundCloud. Okay. After. Yeah. So it was like uh it was real terrestrial radio, AM uh fifteen ten, I believe it was ESPN New Hampshire Radio. But it sucked. And then I did mushrooms with the girl that I was seeing at the time who was actually Chris Bryant's cousin. Now who's Chris Bryant? Uh M MLB third baseman. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I do, um, so I do mushrooms with this girl and I just go, Oh, I got to move to LA. And I like on mushrooms wrote a little thing to myself that was like, tomorrow you need to decide to move to LA on May 1st. And so I said it, I quit, I said it on air the next day. Uh, I had a radio show. They took away my radio show directly after that. I had nothing to stay for anymore. So I was like, all right, May 1st, I'm leaving. I kind of was going through a little bit of a mental breakdown, <laughs> like honestly, you know? right. but, um, I got out here and it's just the, I don't know the vibe out here. I got here three days in, I had a groundlings audition, you know, for the groundlings. I got kicked out. Yeah. Yes, I do. Oh, you, you got kicked out of groundlings. Yes. Oh, okay. So like I was staying with a friend, the apartment I was supposed to move into ended up being a scam. So I had no place to live. Why, why was it a scam? So I, Called them. They were like, okay, it's going to be $650 for a bedroom. Um, you're going to share a one bedroom with two other people, but it's the bedroom. So I get there and they wanted me to pay $650 to sleep on a blow up mattress in the kitchen. And me just moving there, I had bags with me and everything. I couldn't do it. So end up having to find a different place. Then I have my Groundlings audition. I have no place to live. Have the worst audition of my life. Just like so off. Just like, you know, nothing was clicking and I was like, fuck. And, uh, you know, I, in eighth grade, I did my job shadow for stand-up comedian and I did Dick Doherty, who was a Boston legend. And so I, I was just like, you just got to go to the comedy store every day and you just got to go. So that's 
what started me out here. And that's two, almost two and a half years ago now. And so, yeah. And how many times uh, have you gotten up at the comedy store? Oh, so many now that, I mean, if you count the belly room, do you, do you mean just potluck? I'm anything. Belly room, I'd say upwards of 50 to 75 times in the belly room minimum because I would do show up, go up. Which is the open mic. For those of you not, uh, you know, in the know, uh, show up, go up is a open mic uh, type of uh, variety show type thing. Uh, Sunday nights. uh, I believe it's canceled now. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There goes that plug. But it was plug. great. And I think it's going to come back every now and again when Eric Marino's back because he's out doing other things. But um, so anyway, so I kind of just worked my way in with those guys and we get stage time every week for a year and a half-ish. And then I would get up at other open mics. And I've been up at Potluck three times now. And I've been up on Kill Tony three times. And I've done uh, Roast Battle six times. And I've done stand up to the streets as a backup dancer twice. So I'm, I get up a lot because, you know, dude, there's no better place to just learn how to act like a comedian in a comic than the store. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, definitely one of the top clubs in the country, if not the top club. I mean, you look at the lineups, it's like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, no, I mean, everybody gets up. One time I saw Dalia bring up Rogan. Rogan brought up Chris Rock. Chris Rock brought up Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I mean, even the lineup uh, I was on last night, I, I literally felt like the drummer from the Traveling Wilburys. Uh, it was just like, wow, I'm just glad to be in this thing. It was a, exactly. I mean, it's just Rogan was on it. Uh, I think uh, Jazzelnick and, you know, just like the who's who, Spade, uh, Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, you know. You were like, like the seven foot four Croatian <laughs> that got the NBA title. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, my God, this is insane. At uh, least you made it on the squad. Yeah. I mean, even Potluck now is, uh, you know, 200 people sign up for it. Literally. It's insane. 200 people sign up to do three minutes on a Monday night just to the chance of getting up in front of the booker. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's a good time to be a comic, but it's also a tough time because it's uh, everyone's trying to get in. Yeah, it's diluted. Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, but then you have a show like Roast Battle where you can maybe, uh, it's not stand up, but you can maybe uh, at least get your name out there in the store Mm -hmm. uh, by doing that. Uh, But, you know, I I think some people uh, over uh, evaluate their importance on that show in the stand up realm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, it's uh, it's a tricky, uh, you know, you could become well known for roast battle, but it's at the end of the day, people are. uh, Do you have an hour? Do you? Yeah, that's great. Netflix came up to you and said. I think you're hilarious. I think you're great. Do you want to do a special? Could you do it? Yeah. Okay. You can call someone fat, but do you have, you know, 50 minutes of jokes? Right. Uh, So, uh, you know, I always try and advise people, uh, you know, work on your stand up more than, you know, your roast battling skills. But you like doing that too? You've done six. I like roast battle. What do you like about it? Well, you know, like it's, what do I like about roast battle? Okay. I love competition. I'm a competitive guy. I'm a big fan of any any kind of like uh, adversity and <laughs> that show will give you adversity. A hundred percent. And I mean, I, I've seen it like it's been it's not it hasn't been easy in my roast battles to pull off victories. But um, I just like how tough it is. I like 
I like the respect that you get when you write good jokes. Absolutely. It's that's a great feeling to get it from your peers and from people you really respect. And I uh I don't know. I mean it's just it's a pretty electric room being in there. Uh I kind of was going to stop doing roast battle last time cuz did you see what happened with like Zara Ali? I have not uh since I took a vacation from the yeah. show. Uh I um uh, I have not watched one Periscope. Okay. One, I'm not. I love the show. Yeah. I just uh, taking a sabbatical. I took a vacation, so when I take a vacation from something, I I don't know who's ranked number one. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, what happened? Well, I battled Zara. And who was that? I'm not Zara Ali. Is uh, she was ranked at the time? Very very funny girl, pretty girl. Um, just very talented, good stand up comic and. Um, she actually challenged me. She said, you're likable. I think it'd be fun to do. So we do it. I, um, am writing jokes. It's whatever. I'm, I'm getting ready that night. I see her. I wave to her. She kind of doesn't even look at me sort of thing. I was like, oh, okay. So she wants to, you know, just get in the, in the game. And so we battle, I do this big, I'm pretty sure it was the day after September 11th. So I came out in, um, an American, what did I come out in? Uh, a shirt. I ripped my shirt open, I think. Anyway, I did some big entrance. I kind of got her off of her game, which I think is, that's a that's a competitive. That's, that's mind fucks. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Just getting the energy. I was trying to get the energy. I was trying to get the uh, power position and it worked. She stumbled her jokes a bunch. I was a big underdog. Even the judges were like, we all, we all wanted you to win, but you messed up, you know, Tazara. And so we get off stage. Uh, it ends. I'm claimed Victor. I go up to give her a hug. She won't give me a hug. She ducks under my arm and leaves and everybody kind of boos her or whatever. And fast forward next day, uh, I see a big Facebook post, bunch of comments and likes. I look at it and it's like, I received these texts yesterday before my roast battle and so did Courtney Banks. They were racist. It said something. It was stupid. Like, you know, not to be off color and, and, and say any kind of hate speech, but the person that texted her, she is, I believe Indian. Um, and I hope I'm not being insensitive by, but I, she does facial recognition comedy, which is all Indian performers. Um, but it, they called her a coon in it, which oh. makes no sense, first off, because that's the wrong uh, yeah. racial slur. So I was like, first off, you think I'm that much of an idiot? And she never really s accused me to my face or anything, but she was kind of doing that whole thing like, oh, well, like, funny, I got it right before my roast battle. And Courtney Banks got it, too, and then one other person got it got from this, like, kind of, I guess it was a burner number or whatever. So I was upset that people would even think that my, uh, that I would do that or that I would stoop that low and that it, I would be so, um, I guess like I wouldn't believe in myself enough where I would have to try to like, that's right. not where I come from. Dan Nolan stood up for me. He stood up for me in the roast report, which was very nice of him to do. And I think anybody that knew me, you know, understood. And it kind of came out later that, um, uh, do you know Haiti? What obviously you know Haiti. Who doesn't know Haiti? I know, right? Yeah, uh, you obviously know Haiti. But um, for anyone who doesn't know, there's a guy that got into some hot water, and I guess he was kind of 
Well, let's just say why Haiti got into some hot water. Uh, yeah, why not? You know, well, I mean, he's not here to defend himself. So uh, let's just say some people might not, in this Me Too environment, might not have liked uh, Haiti's pickup lines. Yes, yes, absolutely. Read into that however, yeah, however you like, yeah. So, um, so he kind of get ousted and then they found out that he might have been, they're pretty sure he was the one doing it. So, but I was ready to not roast battle anymore. Cause I was like, why every time I just try to go out and have a good performance and do my best, I got to be seen as kind of a, an enemy or a villain. But, um, then Madison Sinclair came up to me and she was like, Hey, we like each other. I really like, I think you're fun. Let's roast battle. So I said, sure. So now I'm roast battling her again. My first one since September. So okay, well, I mean, you know, uh, I think a lot of people are getting uh, a little too thirsty mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, use roast battle as a vehicle to, you know, whatever they're trying to achieve, yeah. and uh, you know, I think that's why sometimes the environment around the show can be a little uh, sure. You know, uh, well, she had on her Instagram undefeated roast battle. Well, I don't. You know. Who? Zara? Zara before her thing. So it hurt. She was hurt that she lost. Well, yeah, but who has she beaten? I mean, I don't even know who she battled, but like, you know, I I don't think. uh, No, I know what you mean. But I'm very, uh, like, in regards to roast battle, you, you know, like. You know, I'm very black and white, and I judge it like a uh, sporting event. Yeah. Like, okay, you're eight, no, but who have you beaten? Exactly. Like, you know, there's a lot of teams in NCAA football. They might be undefeated, but they've played all like, you know, Florida Atlantic. You're right. Like, you know, yeah. So, um, but yeah. So to this day, I still use roast battle as just experience, and that's how I think you probably should do it, right? You know. Well, I mean, you know, someone who was. Uh, you know, around the show from day one to, you know, up, up until recently, I just think, uh, and I've often said this, I think I said it on the Loudcast, yes. which is a great podcast. Thank you, the Loudcast, yes. Where can people listen to the Loudcast? Uh, on iTunes. You can find the uh, Loudcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, you know, I, I think people are going to be in for a real shock when, you know, their time on Roast Battle is done or, uh, you know, and, and they have to walk the hallways of the uh, comedy store and, and the improv is, has a stand-up. It's yeah. like, uh, thank you. I yeah, was no uh, trying to, uh, okay. there we go. Uh, sorry about that, guys. No, I think it's important to diversify. Now, granted, I'm still pretty damn new in this thing, so I can't say what I think a winning combo is, you know, until you win, but... I think being diverse and not just throwing all your eggs in any basket. Right. It's just a life thing. Like, I feel like that's like a, uh, just a good way to live life, you know? Oh, absolutely. I just, uh, you know, I, I feel bad for some people that, you know, invested so much time into this show and then, you know, either they've, uh, gotten on the show and you, you, you've done what you've done on it. And now it's like, you know, it's a reality show it, mm-hmm. for the most part. It, so they, they're moving on to next season. So, yeah. you know, you've I mean, got, I see, yeah, you've got a limited amount of time uh, to capitalize on whatever uh, fame or, or rub you get from the show. And then it's like, all right, well, you were on this season. You didn't win it. You didn't advance very far. Uh, you know, now you got to come up here on a Wednesday night and, 
mm-hmm. people aren't going to be like, oh my God. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. How's your stand up? Yeah. So, uh, and that's why we're all in this originally, right? Like, oh, yeah. We're, I mean, we're at the comedy store for stand up. Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, who knows? I mean, roast battles, uh, you know, like I said on your podcast, it's, you know, I'm probably the poster boy for, uh, what it can do for you mm-hmm. it's given me every tv credit i have yeah. so uh you can get great things from it but uh you know i just wish sometimes some of the people around it would um loosen up well loosen up don't i mean you know i'm very competitive too so if i ever battle again i will fucking go all in and obsess over whoever i'm battling but uh you know it's like i went to a new year's eve party where it was a roast battle heavy uh i guess party and it's like no one could have a normal conversation it was like they were all roasting this one dude's sweater and it's like can you guys like you know, we're not in the belly room. Yeah. Moses isn't here. Jeff's not uh, up there judging. Like, can you have a normal conversation, yeah. you know, without, you know, I don't know. It's just like. Just talk about stuff. Right. Yeah. Just talk about anything other than roast battle, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, you know. I mean, I have some tight friends that I consider really good friends that like, I can't hang out with them because every time we hang out, it's let's write roast jokes or, you know, can you hear my, and I love when people tell me their roast jokes. Anybody listen to this? If you tell me your roast jokes, I love hearing roast jokes, but like, you know, every now and again, I want to fucking just chill, you know, yeah. not talk about roast battle. You know? Yeah. I mean, and you know, there's so much emphasis on the rankings, which, um, you know, I think we all know my feelings on the rankings. Yeah. We talked about that on the loudcast, just like, uh, how you wanted to be best person, battles the next best person but that's like my how i look at it like for with me and roast battle there's no black and uh there's no shades of gray it's black and white uh you know the the champion takes on number one two takes on three Mm -hmm. etc etc the winners face off against each other the losers battle for positioning and whatnot so uh but you know the ufc that's what I was about to say. It's yeah. Does the same thing where uh, who was it? Uh, Michael Bisping was the champ. Uh, the number one guy was Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold, yeah. He should have gotten the title they shot. GSP. They gave it to GSP who hadn't fought in four years. Yeah. And then GSP wins. Wins, yeah. And then he retired. <laughs> yeah. <again. laughs> so uh, you know, but you know, maybe I'm taking you know roast battle too seriously. No, but I think a lot of people see it like MMA or like UFC fight or like you know like. I don't know. It's a great, it's a great, uh, it's a great exercise in joke writing. Obviously some of the, my most, the people I respect most do roast battle. That's why I do it. If it was a bunch of schlubs that I didn't think were great joke writers and comedians, I wouldn't go and I wouldn't do it, but obviously I do. But, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very time consuming for some people. I've seen people cry. I, I saw, uh, multiple people cry over losing. Uh, which is weird to me, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I know uh, of a few people who've cried after they've lost. And, uh, you know, it's like, you know, I get it to a degree because I'm very competitive. I mean, there's not a, you know, I don't want to say I think about it a lot, but like I think of jokes I could have done against the people I've lost to. You know, "Ah, I wish I could have done that joke then or I wish I could have been meaner and, not quite, but you know, it's like uh, what I love about roast battles. Anyone could lose. Yeah. 
Like there's no one that's unbeatable mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, uh, Jimmy Carr to B to Sarah Tiana to, to you to Mark Stevens to Eli uh, Sayers or yeah, whatever. Uh, Champion. Yeah. You know, uh, no, it's, it's, you got to bring your A game, you know, you got to, you got to be smart. I don't know. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a very, uh, what I love about it is it's a very strategical show. Sure. You know, it's very like. Uh, I think they're going to say this about me, so I'm going to have a, a rebuttal. Yeah. I mean, I try and sucker people in to saying jokes about my age or who I've dated or, uh, you know, being the Kennedy cousin, right, you know, yeah. I'm sure you, you know, you're going to. I mean, fat guy. Well, yeah. you're not fat, but for the, well, you know. You. I appreciate that. But I mean, you know, like, you know, for the sake of the show, you're going to be called fat. Yep, 100%. Um, Catholic. I get every, everybody says I was raped as a kid just because I'm Catholic. That's how crazy Rose Battle is. I was never molested or raped in my life. And then I do Rose Battle. Every person I've battled has a Catholic rape joke. Well, I do think the joke should be true. Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. Uh, yeah. but, but that's my one rule of... Uh, you, know, you can say anything about my parents dying two months apart because it happened. You mm -hmm. can say anything about previous relationships as long as they're true because it happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, that doesn't happen too often. Right. Uh, well, but some people are so, uh, I think they just get caught up and I have to win. I have to win. I have to say anything that'll throw them off their game. Yep. And, uh, you know. That's like Bush League, yeah. Well, you know, it, it catches up. With sure. people in the end, <laughs> but well, karma collects. Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big believer in karma. By the way, speaking of karma, we're at 10 percent on Facebook Live. 10 percent. So uh, we're gonna do your plugs on Facebook Live right now. All right, and then we're gonna cut off a of Facebook Live. If you want to listen to the rest of this podcast, you are going to have to listen to it yes. uh, when I release it tomorrow on SoundCloud and iTunes. But Tom, where can people find you for the Facebook Livers? Instagram, Fake Tom Whalen, Twitter, Fake Tom Whalen, iTunes, The Loudcast with Mark and Tom, YouTube, Agat's company for some really crazy shit that'll blow your mind. And how do they, uh, on the YouTube, how do you... Uh, A-G-A-T-S company, C-O-M-P-A-N-Y and... If you like Tim and Eric and stuff like that, you'll love Agats. And this is the great Tom Whalen. We're going to continue for a few minutes off of Facebook Live. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you, Share, guys. tweet. Thank you, Christina, for watching the whole video. And uh, Tom's a good dude. Very funny comic, so check him out. Uh, you tweet where you're playing uh, if you have a big show. Um, I usually do it on Instagram. I'll post a poster. Okay, so yeah. uh, follow Tom Whalen at the appropriate sites and... Uh, we're going to continue off uh, Facebook Live. Thank you, guys. Yes. Kisses. Kisses. For the night. All right. So. All right. I love how you were able to balance the mic on the chest and everything. I mean, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm trying to be more socially uh, better on social media. Um, well, I think you're doing pretty good because this guy is top 20 on iTunes. Yep. I'm going to brag for you. Well, I mean, it's... Uh, you know what I love about this podcast is like I love talking to you. Yeah. Uh, I, I love every guest I've ever had has been someone I've wanted on my couch. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes in roast battle or stand up uh, in particular, you, you don't get to necessarily pick who you get to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that's really what pushed me into doing this podcast. Right. I was like, I'm sick of. Being around some people I don't like, 
I want to do something where I'm in control of. Yeah. And I mean, this is just, you have such a dope place. Like this is exactly how I would build my place out. If I lived, if I had my own place, just bands, sports, yeah, a couple, movies. Yeah. I mean, I have VHS hockey fight tapes. <laughs> um, I've got an autographed picture of Chewbacca. Uh, yeah, dude. So who played Chewbacca? Uh, Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew. Who it's, uh, I, I, I believe he's uh, too old now, but they have a new, uh, whoever played Chewbacca in the last movie, uh, it's a younger guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but you know, keeps the spirit alive. Well, I mean, I guess technically all you need is a tall actor. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, pre- the original predator, Kevin Peter Hall, yep. uh, he I died of that. AIDS. He got AIDS. He died of AIDS from a blood transfusion, 1991. Oh, I knew uh, that little self surgery he did was yeah uh, right in the ass. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Well, it just sucks. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, there have been other Predator movies that you know. I guess you just need a seven foot tall uh, yeah. actor. The original Predator. Do you know who the original Predator was? I don't, but I've seen the movie a thousand times. He did like two. I think two was days. It Kane well, he broke his ankle, I believe, and uh, he just couldn't move in the costume. It was Jean Claude Van Damme? No. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I think he did like two days. He either broke his ankle in the costume, or he, maybe before, and he just couldn't move in the costume. And then uh, I think uh, someone in the uh, the camp said, "Well, may, let's just make him a giant." Right. And uh, Kevin Peter Hall uh, was the uh, predator. He was also. Uh, uh, the monster and Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, okay. The uh, well, uh, that's actually, I was just about to ask you, do you believe, have you seen the, um, the tape of oh, what's it called? It's when they see Bigfoot walking in the brush. It's called the something tapes. Well, I mean, I've seen the OG, that very famous clip of, uh, it looks like, uh, I mean, uh, I, <sighs> what do you think? Do you think I, we're talking about the same one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's that. Yeah, he's kind of like he almost looks like a human with super long arms, yeah. but in a, it looks fake to me. It does to me. Too. I mean, that's weird that the camera was rolling right when they um, and he looks back. Yeah. Like, you know, first off, if you've never seen a Bigfoot before, if it spots you like you're dead, right? Don't you think that's I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I mean, I. I, you know, I'm into conspiracy theories and like, uh, you know, the Loch Ness monster and, and ghost. Uh, I just believe that if there was really a Bigfoot, that by now we would have seen one. Yeah, like a, a dead one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you gotta see. Unless they live forever. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. I mean. There's all kinds of. Uh, uh, hoaxers that sure. uh, I don't know if that's the right word, but that can just make a giant footprint and mm-hmm. you know put it in the mud and then go, hey, look at this. Uh, yeah. But uh, but where's the actual skeleton? Right. Whereas there's got to be at least one dead one that someone I don't know uh, has seen. Uh, yeah. Or like you know, I mean, they live in the. I mean, they they're said to live in the Pacific Northwest, which is so dense. But like. You know, not even like when they were out looking for a dead body or something. There's never like, you know, never a bone because a femur would have to be like eight, four times the size of a regular femur. You know? Yeah, it would have to be like a Chewbacca yeah. uh, type of, uh, you know, height and weight. And uh, 
you, you know, I mean, if Rambo didn't stumble into one, uh, and no one's finding him. Yeah, that's that first Rambo. It's so good. What do you, What was your favorite '80s action movie? Well, uh, I mean, Rambo. The first Rambo, I think, was just so good. Uh, a lot of pressure on Stallone mm-hmm. because he had, uh, you know, he had the success of the Rocky. Uh, you know, Rocky Two was very successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Nighthawks, which is my favorite Stallone movie. Really? I've never seen it. Oh, it's great. It, it's uh, It was like the first movie he was given full control over. Oh, okay. Um, and it was, uh, I think it came out in 81, and there was a lot of pressure on him on it. Mm-hmm. It was Rutger Hauer's first American film. I know Rutger Hauer, yeah. Uh, I have his biography right there. Oh, really? All these moments signed. Uh but uh, I guess on the first, you know, if you've, well, I don't want to ruin the movie, but let's just say they uh, they shot the end first uh, and uh, Stallone had rigged the stunt uh, cable on Rutger Hauer uh, without telling him. Okay. So uh, the, the reaction you see uh, in the movie from Rutger Hauer is genuine because he was shocked at right he wasn't told um, so it was a real reaction right so the rest of the movie which they filmed after the you know the end uh you know uh there was tension between stallone and rucker howard because you'd be pissed too if someone put a, a wire on you and they uh amped it up you know to like the maximum level and uh you know you, you're thinking it's going to be at like around a power setting of two and it was 10. Yeah. Uh, so in every scene, like there were some chase scenes in New York city, uh, Rutger Hauer would outrun Stallone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I think the, the people were like, Hey dude, you, you can't really outrun him. You know, he, <laughs> he's the star of the movie. Like, like, I thought this guy was Rocky. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It was totally like, it doesn't look very, so he's basically saying like you're he's basically being like, well, I can still outrun you. Yeah, uh, yeah. very alpha male, passive aggressive. But that's what Stallone did to him. Yeah. So in the scenes they have, um, you know, you could you could really feel like, OK, they don't really like each other. Right. And it worked. Yeah. But uh, for whatever reason, the movie just didn't do well. Uh, so, you know, Rambo was a lot of pressure. Uh, sure. Because like, oh, you know, that was I guess Nighthawks, you'd say, was Stallone's first bomb. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much it made. uh, You know, I mean, it kind of was a cult hit with Cable because it's on a lot. Yeah. Um, But... uh, How have I never seen it? I got to watch this. It's really good. Billy D. Williams is in it. Billy D. Um, And there's uh, a lot of great character actors. Uh, Who else? The Bionic Woman uh, plays the love interest, Lindsay Wagner. Okay, yeah. Um, Jamie Gillis, the porn star, is uh, in one of his few uh, regular acting uh, roles is in it uh, really? briefly. Really? just a regular actress? Uh, he's, uh, he's a guy. Oh, oh it's a guy? Uh, oh, yeah. okay. Uh, he plays Lindsay Wagner's boss. It's, he wasn't in it that much, but yeah. uh, I mean, that's probably my, my favorite. Uh, Stallone movie ever? Is, is Nighthawks, but Rambo was, uh, the first one is just... Rambo's great. Mine, mine's got to be Rocky Four. Rocky Four when he's doing those sit ups. Oh, in, in the yeah. at the farmhouse yeah, at the top when he's just he's like one percent body fat, and he's just like it's just I, I don't know. You got to love an underdog, and it was like how do you make 
Stallone an underdog after three Rocky movies? Well, I work out to that song. That's, Is it Hearts on Fire? Yes. Yes. I want to say, uh, who sings that? John, I think it's not Robert Tepper who sings that. It's either Robert Tepper or John Cafferty. Oh, I think it might be John Cafferty. Because uh, Robert Tepper sings No Way Out. No Way, yeah. In the no same. That, see, great music, too. Well, you got Eye of the Tiger in the first one. And right. then, uh, oh no, I and the Tiger was the third one. Oh, okay. Uh, because that's the one with Mr. T. Yep. Uh, Rocky IV, uh, the James Bro great soundtrack. Yep. Uh, and uh, you see Rocky II, they pretty much just use the Rocky theme. Well, and the Rocky theme is, like, think of that. Think about if you composed the Rocky theme. You're a millionaire. Bill Conti. Bill Conti? Um it might be uh i mean he literally could live off that song sure um just the rights and 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 you know every time i mean the few things i've done in hollywood you get the residual check here sure. and there it ain't on the bill conti level oh no i mean probably that song has been used i think maybe in every rocky yeah definitely uh, in every rocky and then think of every tv show commercial maybe uh here and there i'm sure it's been used in something i don't know Guy, uh, boxers mma fighters walk out to it yeah you know? i mean it's fascinating i mean i used to date the manager uh one of the managers from motorhead so you know oh, i'm really? familiar i love motorhead oh they're great uh rest, rest in peace. peace all of them the original three are dead they're all dead lemmy uh filthy phil taylor okay and uh fast eddie clark just passed so uh the reunion tour just got a lot tougher to book <laughs> um did you see that lemmy documentary yeah it was there uh, that movie. yeah i mean it's uh you know he kept it real you gotta really give him did. that i mean talked about banging a girl with his son yeah i mean you uh you gotta give lemmy this he lived it oh yeah i heard a story once about how lemmy needed a surgery but they couldn't put him under because he needed alcohol so they had to insert alcohol into his bloodstream <laughs> I could believe it. Or else he would go into shock and die. I mean, I know the doctors at one point tried to get him to go from, uh, it was either vodka to whiskey or whiskey to vodka. Maybe whiskey to vodka. Okay. Yeah. For a health, like, you know, you're fucking. <laughs> when they're just trying to get you to switch. Switch to, to be healthier. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he was probably just drinking like the nastiest Canadian club whiskey or something. He was a maker's mark, man. Oh, he's maker's mark. Okay. Uh, but like I saw their publishing checks and you know, they weren't, you know, they're pretty much known for ace of spades and that mm -hmm. that's a, you know, that's basically about it. Other than the, the wrestling songs, the triple yeah. H, yeah. which I always thought was pretty cool. Yeah. The game and, uh, the theme, the evolution, uh, you know, as much as I don't like Triple H for how he treated Sting, yeah, uh, he yeah. did throw Motorhead constant bones, yep, uh, which is cool. Uh, so I can imagine what Bill Conti gets. Uh, yeah, oh, it's probably ridiculous. I mean, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's. I mean, those that song will be played forever, forever. It's like a modern day Gladiator song. You know, when you hear those like old Gladiator right. fanfare, it's I mean, the same thing. Rocky will. Is one of those movies that in a hundred years will be played. Yep. Uh, so uh, you know, it's, I think it just turned. The original Rocky was uh, fifty four uh, seventy six. So what would that be? Uh, forty years. Yeah, 40, 40 years. Uh, that's like that's mind blowing. I mean, I was eight years old when that movie came out. Damn. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Stallone. Uh, 
I mean, I mean, Stallone is people see people think Stallone's an idiot, but he's not an idiot. Like I've seen him do. I saw the the making of the uh, what was it called? The Expendables. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a he's a real director. He's a fucking survivor, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, he, he's had so many bombs, but so many great movies. I mean, not a lot of people can uh, survive their bombs. I yeah, mean, he did like Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Oh yeah, uh, but then he comes comes back with Tango and Cash, mm-hmm. Cobra. Uh, you know, and then he uh, there was a you know maybe that movie Daylights, which was oh, like yeah Daylight yeah yeah about yeah. the tunnel. Oh, and then um, what's it called? Where he played the futuristic cop? Uh, Judge Dread. Dread. Like yeah. hardcore comic fans are like, this is horrible. Yeah. Uh, but then he does a Cliffhanger, which was like a great movie. Yeah, Rhinestone. Uh, yeah, Rhinestone was another bomb yeah. and then uh you know you know uh you know he really is he should be uh teach a class on persistence yeah seriously will you ever hear that story about the time he sold his dog yeah for yeah. 25 bucks yep uh and then he bought it back for like i don't know 10 grand or something yeah. uh after rocky i mean just how he made rocky was like uh they wanted burt reynolds yeah i mean i'm a, he, i love this uh you know the stories of uh, who was cast originally for certain movies i mean they wanted burt reynolds they wanted basically warren Beatty. i yep. think at one point uh i mean essentially every studio passed on rocky mm-hmm. then he finds one studio that says all right we'll make it you can't be in it right and they was like, we'll give you $250,000 to not be in it. Right. Which in 76 was like probably $7 million Yeah, I was about to say $5 million In today's. Uh, and he's like, no, I'm in it. And then they're like, all right, well, you get nothing but points on the back end, which, you know, at that time was like, well, this movie's not going to do well. So go ahead with your points. Right. And I, my God, I mean, he's probably literally made a couple hundred million off the franchise easily and that's just off the rocky movies yeah easily and then all the other money he made was because he made money with yeah. rocky you know how did uh how did planet planet hollywood end up doing they went out of business right yeah but that you know guys like uh schwarzenegger and stallone and i think there was another big guy involved in bruce it. willis right yeah. uh you know i don't think they put their own money into it so someone lost money but it wasn't them right you know it's like gene simmons Mm -hmm. uh i think where his smartest plays are he doesn't put his own money into the projects yeah he gets a fucking super rich kiss fan oh i'll put out uh maxim magazine Mm -hmm. not not maxim tongue yeah 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 which was like a ripoff of maxim but with 80 pages of kiss ads (laughs) uh it was horrible. Yeah. Unless you're the biggest Kiss fan on earth. Yeah. And even I, and I am like, uh, it was horrible. I'm surprised he hasn't come up with a subscription service yet. Well, you'd think that Kiss would have their own, yeah, the, their own iTunes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it's Kiss is on iTunes. So I'm sure they make enough. Uh, but I know there's one band that I think is still held out on iTunes. I forget who the it Beatles is. The Beatles were off for a while. It's like Def Leppard. Or someone like that that was like, you know, we'll we'll sell it on our own. Some 80s band, yeah. I'm not sure. But you want to know what um, Gene Simmons did that was extremely smart? He, I'm not sure if it was copyright or whatever, uh, but he got the rights to Happy Birthday. 
<laughs> for years, for like seven years or however long you can copyright at a time. And he made money every time Happy Birthday was played. Well, he also trademarked the dollar sign. <laughs> like, how do you do that? You can. It's like some guy trademarked, I think the Miami Heat were about to win their third. Mm -hmm. And he literally went to the patent uh Office, office or you know the wherever you go to patent things and he trademarked every phrase humanly possible three pete uh three anything row, with the whatever. word three in it uh -huh. and any combination championship uh, title uh you know i guess he's what they call it in the internet world squatting mm, oh, uh, right. you yeah. know uh like there's someone out there who uh some idiot at, went out there and actually bought earlskakel.com really <laughs> you know it's a beauty expert <laughs> <laughs> so uh did, did they uh did you ever contact them and try to get them to sell it to you you know i had a website for a little while it was earlskakel.com uh but i really found uh, this is right before you know facebook and myspace and instagram and everything that's used today blew up right. uh I, to, for me i don't find a website useful because i don't sell merchandise or anything right. um, all you're doing is putting up dates uh, yeah i mean i do have one uh I do have a T-shirt design a fan made me uh, that is available. Which on, one is it? The Skakel? It's the Inappropriate Earl shirt uh, on ProWrestlingTees.com. Uh, go out and buy. I'm not trying to make money, uh, but it that's, you know, a few people every now and then are like, why don't you sell merch? Uh, I want to be known for my comedy, mm -hmm. not for my fucking T-shirts. Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you want an Earl Skakel t-shirt, uh, go to pro and I, I guess put in the search engine inappropriate Earl or Earl Skakel, my name will pop up. I don't even make that much money on the shirt. I, I think I literally make like $8 a shirt. Just get it for support, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, but I know some comics who are completely unknown who sell merch. It's like, dude, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I do you have merch or any? No, absolutely not. But I mean, like, I just don't take myself that seriously. And I don't, I think that that's like a weird, what I respect in people is a real um, self-awareness. So it's like, at this point in my life, I'm trying to build a persona that people would want to buy right. for. I can't, uh, until I get something, get on TV or, or do something big, you know, I don't think, I don't think it would be self-aware for me to go out and get you know, Tom Whalen bumper stickers or whatever, but I don't know. You know, I think maybe I'm just, I, uh, maybe I'm, I'm wrong. You know, I don't know. Well, that's the beauty about comedy is I don't think there's a right or a wrong way. I mean, I know some people who are on like, I guess my fame level, which is like virtually no fame, but like a little bit. You're much more than me. <laughs> but I mean, like whatever level I'm at, right. they they sell pencils. Uh, uh, they have online stores, CDs, bumper stickers, uh, uh, keychains, uh, any type of paraphernalia, and they make a living at it. Uh, so you know, there's yeah. no right way to approach things, and uh, you just got to do it the way the way that you can find success. I mean, if I found something that was useful for people, like if I could get Tom Whalen brand, like, I don't know, like bongs, <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> something I actually think people would use that would be, but you know, I don't know, maybe in the future, 
maybe you guys can uh, can comment on this and tell me if uh, what I should do for merch. Well, I think you'd kill it, uh, and it's coming up in June in New York. I make my triumphant return to New York City uh, at the Skankfest. You Skankfest. You are totally a Skankfest comic. I really should go. You should, because uh, it's an amazing festival. Uh, Nicole Buchanan did it with me last year. Uh, Dan Nolan was up there. Uh, you know, it's it's run by Big J Okerson. Oh, I love Big J. Oh, he's the best. I mean, if everyone could be like him in comedy, it'd just be a better world to navigate. Louis J. Gomez. Yep, of course, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, we, we did the Naked Roast battle, which <laughs> is, uh, was a very interesting show. Lindsey Jennings was yep, up there. Remember uh, that? Uh, it's a super fun festival, but it's like... It's like the anti Just for Laughs comedy festival. Right. And not that anything's wrong with Just for Laughs. It's I'd, just the punk rock version. You, right. Yeah. It's just like it's like for comics, I guess, who are popular in the podcast world. Mm -hmm. But it's not specifically for podcast comics, but it basically and you go in there and it's three days of nonstop podcast shows in the daytime that are completely sold out um there's all kinds of uh that sounds amazing i want to i when is it um i it's usually in june probably the last week of june uh i know last year was june 23rd through the 25th and it's just the best and a, a lot of la comics there so you feel at home right you don't feel like yeah you're yeah it's in enemy and, territory or whatever. and the new york comics are great you know uh Eli was there and, and uh, you know, Mike Feeney and, and Zach Amico yep. was the host of Roast, the Naked Roast Battle, <laughs> which was really um, <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, Ari Shafir. Yep. Uh, so it's just, it's a real uh, family vibe to it. Um, and then they have the goddamn comedy jam or oh, the jam. I don't yeah. know uh, what that show is technically called now. Right. Uh, uh, I can't keep up with, uh, you know, some of the copyrights. Sure. <laughs> uh, but it's a great, uh, you should look into that. It's, I will. It's, I'm going to uh, do it. Yeah. It's a really, I really. I heard about it last year, but I just wasn't like, you know, I wasn't feeling as, uh, as, uh, good about leaving LA at that point. I feel like I still had some work to do before I left town and right. feel, feel better about it now, you know? Well, the New York comics treat us like gold, and they and, do. And hopefully, they feel the same when they are out here. Sure. Uh, you know, I literally haven't met one bad comic from New York. Uh, so, uh, a lot of love to our New York brothers and sisters. Yes. Uh, and if you have a chance to perform, I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Okay. Because uh, I don't want to uh, deluge the Booker with uh, of course wacky email requests from my fans, but the stand in new york city is the best comedy club in my opinion to see a show at really uh, uh, in the whole world it's just well not i mean not in the whole it's i would say it's the uh maybe the sister club to the comedy store yeah, that's uh, what I've heard. uh the seller's great too mm -hmm. uh but uh i just you know uh, the stand gave me my first new york spot and um i'm very loyal to them so i or if you're just a comedy voyeur, I recommend going to the stand. Comedy voyeur. So, uh, you know, I think, Tom, this is yes. the point in time where... Uh, I got to piss like a racehorse. Anyways. Absolutely. So for the inappropriate Earl and, uh, well, I guess that's it, the inappropriate Earl fans, I know you did it once for the Facebook Live freaks. Now you get to do it for the iTunes and SoundCloud freaks. Tell us every conceivable social media site that you want 
the fans to come become your fans now. Well, my grinder username is oh. Big, no, <laughs> Big Daddy It's uh, Mark Stevens. <laughs> the real Mark Stevens. If you want to, uh, if you are a homosexual and you like uh, big boys, uh, visit Mark the Shark 19. Uh, I don't know what his number. I don't know what He's the hell not, those numbers are. 978, I think it would be. Go uh, to Mark the Shark 978 on Grinder and yes. uh, just put in the passwords to Dano Chara. <laughs> For you lovers of uh, of the big hairy men of the of hairy Armenians, man on men sex. <laughs> I love Mark Stevens. Oh, I love Mark. It's my favorite Mark Stevens story is we're at the Ha Ha one night. Yep, which is a comedy club in the Valley, mm-hmm. uh, and he's killing. Because I had never seen him do stand up before. Yeah. I like you know I've seen roast battle a lot, but sure. you know. Uh, I mean, by the way, I'd never seen you do stand-up before until we did that gay bar. Yeah, that's the truth. That was at a gay bar. Rage. Yes. Uh, and I was like, like that. I was like, you were, you killed. Thank you. Yeah. And it was like, wow, the, you know, it's so good to see people you like as people. And, but you know, at the comedy store, you don't really get to see anyone go up. Yeah. And you're uh, like, yeah. I was like, wow, this guy's funny. I appreciate um, that. but Mark had, he was killing yeah. and then he starts doing these Armenian jokes <laughs> and the whole back row was like the Armenian mob. Oh, and, uh, one of them was like, it was I think came up to Mark after a sentence like, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> it was just the Glendale like, Rotary Club. You gotta know your crowd. Yeah. Um, but, so, uh, but speaking of Mark, you can find me and Mark Stevens podcast on iTunes, the Loudcast with Mark and Tom. You can find me on Instagram, fake Tom Whalen. You can find me on Twitter, fake Tom Whalen. And how do you spell like just F A K E T O M W H A L E N, like the sea creature with an N. <laughs> And then, uh, and then from there we got on YouTube, Agats, A-G-A-T-S company on YouTube. You can see all of our sketch and stuff and, uh, and yeah, come down to, oh, I host an open mic. If there's any, uh, open micers in LA, I host it. I don't think there are (laughs) not enough. Apparently, uh, Saturday nights, Hollywood hotel, 6 PM at the brand new bar. It's really nice. And thank you, Earl. This has been awesome, man. This is amazing. I love it. Well, this is why I do this podcast. I often say this, Joe Rogan, uh, you know, he has a lot of comics on his podcast to throw them bones, to expose them to his fans, Tony Hinchcliffe, Duncan Trussell, Ari Shafir, Joey Diaz, Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer. They all kind of got their initial rub from Joe having them on his podcast. I try and do the same on this one to a much, 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 much much smaller level, but uh, hey, I will do. I hope my fans become your fans, and uh, so follow Tom Whalen. He's a great dude, great comic. Uh, you know, if you like roast battle, he's, he's good at that. Uh, and roast battle is the best show on earth. Every Tuesday night, comedy store about ten p.m. Brian Moses deserves how anyone on this earth has created a show Seriously. and kept it running for five years. You know, in L.A., these shows maybe have year, two years tops, and then they fade out. Roast Battle's still packed every night. Brian created it. Jeff Ross got it on television. Mm-hmm. I mean, I helped build it, but we won't get into that. Um, the foreman. <clears throat> a lot of people should be thanking me and Moses and Jeff for their TV credits. Yep. Even my haters. <laughs> Thanks, Earl. 
You have haters, Earl? I have one or two. Okay. You UK comics, there's no uh, roast battle in the UK if it's not for roast battle in LA. Mm -hmm. And I love my New York brethren, but I rarely hear anyone say thanks to LA. There's no roast masters in New York if there ain't a roast battle in LA. And you could thank Josh Martin and Kenny Lyon, as crazy as that guy is. (laughs) There's no roast battle. If Josh Martin and Kenny Lyon didn't want to fight and Moses said, you guys can't do that. You got to like rap or battle each other. I don't know how Moses said it exactly, but so, you know, thank the people who came before you. Thank you people from season two on roast battle and whoever gets season three, thank the people who did season one. By the way, I was the first person picked. Let's not forget that. So you people who keep challenging me week after week after week, when is Earl going to battle again? I'll battle when I want to battle. I don't call out anybody because I'm the people's champ. Make no mistake about that. With the greatest fight card in the history of this show, I don't battle my unfunny friends from Orange County and Long Beach to pad up my record. If I was given the choice to battle someone in New York, I battle number one. Number one can't do it. I battle number two. Two can't do it. I battle three. I don't battle a person with two digits by their name in the rankings, which, by the way, are completely meaningless. Completely meaningless. The top 50 in L.A., there's not one paid regular in it. Top 30 in New York. There's not one paid regular or past person from the seller in it. So you've got 80 people ranked on both coasts and not one paid regular from the comedy store, the stand, or the seller is in them. So what should that tell you? Work on your stand-up. And if I want to battle you, I'll call you. And you people who talk shit about me, I hear about it. You're in New York. You talk bad about me at the stand. I hear about it. It's the old saying, you like to hear someone's doing pretty good, but you don't want to hear they're doing better than you. Well, guess what? I'm doing better than all of you. Did I win roast battle? No. But guess what? I'm the people's champ. You people who are trying to kiss Moses and Jeff's ass to get on the show, go on Twitter. Go on roast battle's Twitter feed. Go on Comedy Central's Twitter feed. I don't see anyone asking for you to come back to battle. It's all me. Earl Skakel. When is Earl battling? When's Earl coming back? Can they do the show without me? Yeah, they can. They can. And I'd like to thank season two because it cured my insomnia. And that's not a shot at the great Frank Castillo. It's the greatest story in roast battle history. The door guy at the comedy store winning it. Hell yeah. He won the fucking title as he works across the street. And all you people think, oh, well, gee, I'm funnier than Frank. Well, guess what? You're not. Not even close. Because he's got the belt. Mike Lawrence has the season one belt. And guess what? I'm the people's champ. So you can take those belts those local belts, you could shine them up real nice, turn them sideways, and stick them 
directly up your ass. Because if I want back in on the show, I'm in. You're out. I'm in. And enjoy my sloppy seconds, you fools. Enjoy it. I don't mean sexually. <laughs> Although a few of you could say that, but we won't get into that. Because <laughs> like I said on the Loudcast, which you can find on iTunes and SoundCloud, your life's, your roasting, your stand-up, just like your dicks. You can't follow me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>